the guy who always gets you to the ball game on time. Here's the pitch. It's Matt Wyatt with all the good stuff you need to know. Here we go. Put your hands together. <laughs> Big round of applause for not me, for you. Welcome into the show. Welcome in. It is a Wednesday. I won't call it hump day because Beaver hates it. He loathes uh, that. That's my take on it. That's the impression I've gotten. So we'll just call it a Wednesday. Halfway point of the week. You're one step closer to the weekend. You're one day away from football. It's going to matter. You're going to have some high school games. Uh, You're going to have a few college games. I don't know who. I don't know. We'll look them up. And I know you'll have an NFL game tomorrow night that Kirk Herbstreet will be paid a lot of money to get in the booth and sleepwalk through. But, hey, I'm not bitter. (laughs) Regardless, that's what will happen, and all of that's a true statement. Welcome into the show here. And to everybody on the live stream, if you're on Facebook or YouTube or Twitter, hey to y'all. And I'm sorry that uh, the live stream had to split yesterday after one hour. We should have two hours of it today. So get your comments in here on the live stream if you're on Facebook or YouTube. Just type it in, comment, or post it, and I'll see it right here on the Murray West Live thread. That's just one of many ways to be a part of the show. You can also text the show on the Country Pleasing text line, that number, 885-3776. Country Pleasing Sausage on grocery store shelves all around the southeast. It is the best sausage you will have ever tried. Give it a try. I dare you to disagree with me. Give it a shot. I'm on some jalapeno and cheddar, which seems to be like a norm for me. That's the norm. Now, they sell a lot of it here, and I eat a lot of it here, frankly. Another way to remember the text line number is 885-ESPN. Got it? That's a 601 number. You can also call me. That way I get to hear your voice. The Divini Equipment phone line, that's what you call. It's 995-1059. Got it? 601 number, 995-1059. Call that number, and you get to talk to me. But first, you'll get to talk to Beaver, just like we're doing right now. Hey, B. Hey, Matt Wyatt. How you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. Mm. Uh, Aren't I correct in establishing the fact that you don't like the term hump day? I'm not a fan. Okay. You know, it it doesn't just send me into a blind rage or anything. All right. But... You know, I'm I'm somewhat against it. You're not big on it. The, no, the camels <laughs> ruined it. Hump <laughs> day! Yeah! <laughs> I got you. Beaver, I've been thinking about you. What's your reaction, Beaver, when somebody says that to you? Hey, man, listen, I've been thinking about you. How do you, how do you feel when somebody says that to you? Uh, it's... It's nice to be thought of, I guess. Okay, so you don't mind it. It doesn't weird you out. If somebody... No, it's the exact opposite of Jake Wimberly just walking in here and not wanting to talk to me or anything. He's just looking for something that a person just dropped off. <laughs> he came in here, and he's looking around, he didn't even say hey. He's just looking for something. He's like, uh, where's that valuable thing in here with all this unvaluable stuff? There's a valuable thing in here that'll stick out if I can just find it. Where is that? Oh, hey, Beave, how you doing? So that's how that went? Oh, there wasn't even an, oh, hey. 
Oh, he didn't even say anything? No, he was about to. He was actually about to. He was halfway out the door before I said anything. That's why I brought it up. Wow. Jake, you got you to gotta speak to people in the office. <laughs> no, this kid, Jake's a great guy. We're just picking on him. Okay, here's why I was thinking about you, Beaver. It has to do with that show, The Office. <laughs> and if you're listening to this show and you're going, Matt, I came here on a Wednesday to immediately hear hard-hitting sports college football analysis. Well, listen, that's coming. Just wait a minute. Hold on. Wait a minute. Beaver, it is well documented on this show and I'm sure other places as well, that you don't like Jim and Pam on The Office. Right? Yeah. Now, it's kind of tough with Pam because she just, she was just influenced by Jim's jerkness. Okay. So she's just became kind of unlike, kind of unlikable by association, but she she was still likable. She's guilty by association as far as you're concerned. Well, it hit me overnight. Beaver, you know how there have been times in this show where I had to come in here and lay down on the Dr. Beaver uh, psychiatrist couch? Yeah. Well, I am i don't have a couch for you to lay on, but I didn't even invite you. I just went ahead and diagnosed something. It finally hit me. I know what it is. I know what this is. You have a problem with pranks. I think that's the what's at the guts of your dislike for Jim, the character Jim on The Office, is because his character was known for really one thing, other than the relationship with Pam, he was known for pranks. Pranks on Dwight primarily, pranks even on others. He did it on Michael, right? And he pulled Pam, you just said it, guilty by association, he pulled Pam into the whole prank thing. And she became someone who kind of thought that was cute and funny because it was really Jim's idea, the pranks. I think this goes must go back to you have sort of there must be a history of pranks. Beaver had am I making you am I am I in the ballpark and is it making you uncomfortable? You are not <laughs> getting paid for this session. <laughs> I have received no help. (laughs) Okay. Is there a time in the past where someone played a prank on you? Totally unbeknownst, like a real sure enough prank. Like It's like they just pulled one over your head there. I'm sure there was somewhere. Okay, but you can't think of a specific one? Uh, Maybe I blocked it out. Maybe there's (laughs) something to this now. (laughs) See, that's what I'm getting at. I bet if we really did have a counseling session here, a paid one, and then we did and we were to dig a little deeper, we probably would find that. You I think this is another take. I'm gonna take it one step further, Beaver. See if you'd pay me for this. I think you have a soft spot in your heart for anybody out there who is truly innocent. And the last thing that you're going to put up with is somebody taking advantage of that innocence for a cheap laugh. And that's what pranks are. 
Okay, now what do you think? Oh, Matt, Wyatt. How much... <laughs> What's your rate? How much are you charging for this? <laughs> That's a good question. I didn't think of that ahead of time. <laughs> okay, all right. So, look, I, I'm just giving you something that's an honest thought I had. I thought, you know what? It must go. Beaver hates the idea of somebody who will just, for fun, for their own giggles, will pull a prank on an innocent person. And even though Dwight, a lot of people look at it and go, Dwight deserves it. He was this weirdo. The fact is, he really wasn't bothering anybody. <laughs> right except for the time that he set the office on fire for a real fire drill other than that he and he didn't deserve all those pranks i think beaver you in your heart sound it sounds to me like you believe dwight did not deserve to have all those pranks pulled on him on the show now give me i mean yes or no you know looking back no and my because the best part was when Dwight got him back with the snowballs. Oh, you enjoyed that? See what I mean? You're telling me one of the best things in the show is when he got Jim back with what? An elaborate prank, effectively, that finally turned the tables on Jim. Your dislike for him has nothing to do with the fact that he was seeing Pam behind Roy's back. It's pranks. You just confirmed it. And I got to say, I do agree with you. One of the, it, was, it was great. <laughs> when Jim opened the little Christmas present, and as soon as he opened the lid on the box, a snowball catapulted right into his face. I mean, it's brilliant. It's just brilliant. All right, there you go. There's our, <laughs> there's our office segment for today. Hey, Beaver, Beaver, sincerely, <laughs> thanks for playing along there. <laughs> Thank you for your... Uh, diagnosis. You wanted to say, thank you for wasting my time. <laughs> no. But you wanted to say it, but you're too nice of a guy to say <laughs> Y'all heard that pause, though, didn't you? Y'all all heard the pause. And in that pause, he was about to spit it out for wasting my time. <laughs> he already asked me what I charged for it. <clears throat> all right. Here we go. Let's get into it today. First up on the Murray West live thread, go to murraywest.com. Contract embroidery, custom apparel right here in the state of Mississippi going all the way back to 1996. If you need a logo on something, that's where you go. Go to murraywest.com, M-U-R-R-Y west.com. The Murray West live thread. David on YouTube said, Hail State. Hey, Matt and Beaver, let's go dogs. He also said, Country Pleasing is the best sausage. What is it, David? Did you mean to type in the word turkey? I don't know what turkey is. Uh, I mean, or why that's on there is what I mean. I don't know why that's on there. Hey, Rhino, he texted the show, said his boss Sydney and he are listening to the show on the radio. Appreciate you tuning in. Shout out Rhino Caliendo. And shout out Sydney as well. You're a big star now, Rhino. I mean, you're a viral sensation on social media with all your talents and abilities. Don't think I hadn't seen it. I've seen it. And Jimmy says Matt really needs to sneak down to Jackson and put Beaver's headphones in jello mold. Jimmy, buddy, if you don't think I hadn't already thought of that, <laughs> it's strictly. And let me, hey, all right, Beaver, one more thing. You ain't going to believe this, Beaver. Hey, Beaver. Hey, you ain't going to believe this. True story, and I'll get her to tell you about it at some point. 
Back in the day, Beaver, when Annabeth and I were both working at the TV station in Tupelo, and it was a whole, like, The Office cult inside. We all watched it. There were some guys there that we worked with. She literally took one of them stapler home, put it in a jello mold, and took it back to work and left it on his desk. She actually did it. That, I like that. I wish I could have seen that. <laughs> Isn't it great? She really did it. Yeah, and I think we, we we did for a while anyway. We still go to church with one of those guys, but yeah. But So she's pulled it off. Like, it's definitely doable. Uh, what else we got? Good, good point, Jimmy. You're right. We need to do it. Oh, David, I see what you mean. He's talking about, yes, this is a reminder because you're getting closer. And I got one of those one year. You can go to Country Meat Packers, which is where Country Pleasing Sausage comes from, Highway 49 in Florence, Mississippi. It's right there on the highway. You see a big hog. Go in there. Big. David says the turkeys are awesome. You can get a whole smoked turkey all packaged up and ready to go right there at Country Meat Packers. He says get one for Thanksgiving. You will thank me later. Absolutely. All right. Country Pleasing text line. Country Pleasing Sausage. Speaking of. On the country-pleasing text line, Mailman David said, Traveling today and started losing the signal, so I switched to the radio, uh, the iHeartRadio app, and I can hear you loud and clear. David, yeah, you know, and I got, I've got, i got to admit, I don't do a good enough job of promoting some of the other ways. You know, I mean, you can obviously catch the live stream when we got that going on and the podcast. You know, this, like if you were to go to iTunes and look up the Matt Wyatt Show, you can get the show on a podcast every day. Just download it, subscribe it, listen every day. But also on the website, you know, thezone1059.com. You can stream it right there. Yeah, and the iHeartRadio app. Just click play. You know, search the zone 1059. Click play, and you're listening, man. You're good to go. So anywhere you want to go. Let me see. I got uh, an unnamed texture here with a football question. Compare our offense. Oh, 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 oh. Sorry. Predictive text got him there, but what he's asking, he says, compare our offensive line against Alabama's defensive line. He said, I really think that's where the game will either be won or lost. Plus, he says, don't you think Mike Wright needs to play more against a more athletic defense? If not, don't you think we'll have the same results as we did at the LSU, at the uh, during the LSU game? Well, it's kind of a multi-layered question there, and I will say, and we've got plenty of time here today and in the rest of the days this week to sort of flesh that kind of stuff out. Uh, specifically, the matchup on line of scrimmage when State has the ball. I, I mean, it's an advantage Alabama. They recruited a higher level. They load up on four- and five-star players uh, really historically unlike anyone else. Okay, and the only school who in recent years has challenged Alabama's consistency every year in recruiting the line of scrimmage is Georgia. And Georgia's going for its third straight national championship. And so we know that. I mean, Alabama, you might look it up and see, but I think Alabama sent more in terms of just numbers of NFL starting defensive linemen up there than anybody over the last 10 years. That's what they're doing. Okay, they're recruiting on a different level. Their depth is a little different than what other people have too. So there's an advantage there, Alabama. State's offensive line, while very, very experienced, coming into the year, you really, by, by making the, the change in offensive scheme, you sort of basically took that experience advantage away. 
because then none of them had any, any experience doing what they're doing play after play after play. So they're still learning some of that. And that's why you're seeing every game you've seen missed assignments in the run blocking game. You've seen, you know, mental errors in, in the run game and others as well. So State's offensive line, while very veteran, had even last week like they were still trying to find themselves. And if they, if they are, in fact, and I, I think they are, but they just still have a ways to go, are in fact making improvement where you have less mental errors and less missed assignments in the, in the run game, then it's going to start to look like it's coming together at some point. And that's really got to happen this week against a talented front like Alabama. So this is what I expect. Be interested to see, and I you know, could be wrong. Been wrong before. But I just kind of expect Alabama defensively to come in here like this, to come to state like this right here. Hey, you saw what happened last week when you gave them down-the-field chances. They hit some of them. Okay, and even against us, we feel like we can cover man-to-man in spots. But if we do a lot of it and we're loading the box and playing a lot of people around the line of scrimmage, giving a lot of man-to-man coverage, playing a lot of no-safety coverage, even with our athletes, they're going to hit some of those bigger throws. And that kind of was their offense. The one game this year where they really sort of have been able to do it. And it was last week, South Carolina, and they just – Put everybody in there focusing on the run, play after play, and gave you shots down the field. They took them and they hit some. Alabama's going to go, well, we don't want that happening to us. And with our, Alabama, athletes that we have and the players we have on defense, we're going to rely much more on zone coverage and soft coverage and safety over the top coverage than South Carolina did. And we're going to play their run game that is states, we're going to play against their run game without having to load the box and put seven and eight defenders down there. We'll do it with our front three and front four and two linebackers. I expect Alabama, and I, I could be, it'll change from play to play, situation to situation, but overall, I think the philosophy for Alabama defensively in this game is going to be we're just going to be more of a base defense in this game because we. We are Alabama. With our athletes on defense, we don't have to do a lot of blitzing to blow up their run game. We don't have to do a lot of blitzing to get to their quarterback when they do throw it. We're going to take away deep throws. We'll take it away. By alignment, we're going to take it away. And we're going to challenge them, State's offense, that if you score on us, you're going to have to march it down the field and run a bunch of plays and execute a lot of plays and go on some long drives. We're going to keep it all in front of us. You want to score on us, you're going to have to run 10, 12 plays in a row without screwing up. We don't believe you can do it. I really believe that'll be their philosophy in the game defensively. And that is zone it, soft on the top end, don't give up home runs, make you execute underneath, and you deal with our line of scrimmage because we don't believe you can. That'll be their philosophy defensively. And it's probably the right thing to do because to this point in the year, State has not shown the ability to go on long, sustained scoring drives. They haven't done it yet this year. Look. This is the inverse, schematically, of when Mike Leach converted you to the air raid back in 2020. It's the inverse schematically, but you're now going through the same thing. And that is until you really become proficient at what you're doing, which takes game reps to get it done, until you really become consistent and proficient, (laughs) defenses are going to do what? They're going to take away any easy you know, big play home runs where you can score in one or two plays. We're going to take all that away. We're going to give you what's underneath, and we're going to challenge you. 
Can you even run 12 plays without screwing one of them up? See, that's what they did in 2020. After Go back to 2020. Different scheme. Same philosophy, though. State came out in the air raid week one. And, and LSU did what? Played man-to-man coverage. And gave you easy throw down the Well, not easy, but just gave you open throws down the field, open throws down the field. Big play after big play after big play after big play. Wouldn't get out of man. And starting in week two with Arkansas and everybody else that year, what did they do? They drop eight in coverage, give you the underneath, and say, all right, show us that you can run 12 to 15 plays on a scoring drive without making a mistake. And guess what? They couldn't. <laughs> I mean, K.J. Costello's had such a great game in week one. Week two, he started throwing it to everybody but his teammates. You get a pick, and you get a pick, and you get a pick. Well, here, here you go, tubas and cheerleaders. Let's just throw it to everybody but our guys. Look, I'm not making fun. I did it too. Okay. But that was the deal. And then things started changing over the course of time where you'd get in games and state could. You gave them underneath throws. They could take it 20 times in a row, and you couldn't stop them. And teams started having to adjust, and now it opens stuff down the field. I feel like it's a different scheme. But you're sort of in the same vein now. So, State's offensive line, huge challenge. And if they come out and and are consistently blocking in the run game well, it may change. Alabama may have to adjust during the game. But that's what they'll challenge them to do first. All right, your text, your comments coming up. Just getting started with you on this Wednesday. I'm Matt. In the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Stick around. Hey, whether it's about winning the game or even losing the game, you're going to hear about them all and get to talk about it with Matt Wyatt right here, right now. All right, back with you. Rolling along here on this Wednesday in the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio, Farm Bureau Insurance. Go! With the home team here on the Murray West Live thread, Will said, Happy Hump Day, Matt. (laughs) Back at you, Will. Happy Hump Day. Thanks for being here with us. Good way to be a part of the show. On the text line. The country-pleasing text line. I was addressing a text a minute ago someone had about uh, the matchup between State's offensive line and uh, Alabama's defensive line. But then he had another thought. He said, uh, plus, why don't you think uh, Mike Wright, he says, don't you think Mike Wright needs to play more against a more athletic defense? Well, you know, You know, they hadn't used him that much, honestly, have they? Yeah, really since week one. Put a lot of stuff on film for people to look at and prepare for. But, uh, yeah, I, you know, in terms of playing him more, here's what I think. You know, he, he obviously does bring a different element when you use him that way in certain situations. Uh, however, okay, you haven't thrown the ball with him really at all. You know, there's got to be a threat of that. And at some point, they'll let him throw it, 
and it's got to come at the right time, and you kind of use it for a big play, and you catch somebody off guard, right? Maybe that's the thinking. But I will also say this. You know, in the spring, Mike, when he came in from Vanderbilt, he really struggled throwing the ball back in the spring. At times I even wondered, you know, was he a little banged up or something? But he, but he did have a hard time throwing it in the spring. And and then, you know, here in the fall, in practice and stuff, you know, what you heard is that he had begun to, you know, really become more consistent, was throwing it much more effectively in practice. But it kind of makes you wonder how much trust there is there still. Opposing defenses, when they scout the offense, they go through all kinds of stuff, right? Like they are really thorough week to week. And they're all going to look at Mike Wright and his history and even maybe study a little bit of it on film of his history playing quarterback throwing a ball at Vanderbilt. What was he successful doing throwing a ball at Vanderbilt? His numbers were not that bad. Now, not great. Not They didn't blow the doors off, but they weren't that bad. Um, he started 10 games one year and 10 games another year for Vanderbilt. So started 20 games across two seasons. And in those 20 games, he threw for 2,000 yards, 20 touchdowns, and 10 picks. Okay, so 1,000 yards a year. What is that, 100 yards a game, average. Okay, two touchdowns. I'm sorry, 20 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. So he was 2-1 to one at touchdown to interception across 20 games. It was pretty good. In terms of, you know, efficiency, it's decent. You know, it's like, again, it's not terrible. And um, so you're talking about an average of a touchdown a game. Throwing the ball. And a lot of that's against SEC competition. So that's pretty good. So it's not like he can't. And opposing defenses know that. So you're going to use that stuff at the right time. I, I just wonder how and when you work him in there. You know, the other night against South Carolina, they put him in there on the goal line which to me that's really obvious that certain short yardage things and goal line situations where the defense has the advantage of crunching everything down. Now he becomes an extra weapon for you. They have to defend it. He read it perfectly. You get one block, walks it in the end zone, and that shows you what he can do and how you can use him. And everybody expected to, to use him that way. You've also played four games, and in two of those you hardly ran any plays. You know, 56 plays against Arizona, 50 against LSU. Really, in either of those games, you were so out of whack from a play calling and just staying on the field standpoint that you really couldn't get into any kind of flow that you would have even planned on. And so I think my answer to you would be, yeah. Yeah, I do believe that they could afford to play him a little more in certain spots. But the caveat to that is it's really obvious to me that they know very clearly what he can and can't do and what they are comfortable with him doing and what they aren't comfortable with him doing. And uh, and they'll use him accordingly. I mean, that's really clear to me. All right, Chase, you, uh, you text the show, and I got your text yesterday. And we covered it. It might have been a little later after you sent it, so you, maybe you didn't hear it. Chase texts, and his question was, uh, why is it that Mississippi State's defense seems to be playing such soft coverage on third and long situations? He says, I feel like they've allowed teams to continue drives by picking up an easy first down due to the linebackers dropping deeper than the sticks. And you have seen that a good bit. Um, and, and I think it is something you have to address. We talked about it a little bit yesterday, so I won't go through the entire exercise again. But 
you know, even if you just use the last two games, LSU, South Carolina, for example, plenty of examples of third and even medium, you know, third and seven, third and eight, where you drop in a, you might show pressure and back off of it, drop into a zone coverage, but the underneath part of your coverage, which is primarily linebackers and maybe that nickel, would actually sag the underneath coverage in zone past the line to gain and giving up the underneath dump down to a running back or in the middle of the tight end. And what I said is the easiest throw on the field for a quarterback, other than screen passes, which are really short behind the line of scrimmage, bubble screens and that kind of thing, the easiest throw is the one that's right in front of you. Like right here, right in front of me. (laughs) It's the shortest, easiest, clearest throw. Even if the ball's in the middle, but let alone if it's on the opposite hash. If I'm on the left hash and I'm throwing something to far right sideline, ball's in the air longer, the angles are a little different, it's harder to tell the momentum of defenders, it's harder to tell how quickly they're going to close the gap, it's harder to tell are they in my throwing lane or not, that takes practice, all that kind of stuff. Deep balls, obviously, balls in the air a long time, those are lower percentage throws. But the easiest throw to make for any quarterback is, I've got a throwing lane so my vision isn't obstructed, the linebackers have dropped, either split in the middle of the field in zone coverage, or they have dropped, and it's just me and the running back at seven yards, or me and the tight end on a curl route. Right, that's the easiest throw there is. I don't have to turn my hips, I don't have to turn my shoulders. I just right there. So, my thinking is whether it's third and medium or third and long, the middle is what you got to take away. You got to take that away. Take away the easy throw. Make it be a hard throw. If a guy makes a hard throw, that's what the NFL does so well and so constantly. And, of course, they have so much better athletes and pros, right? But they'll decide, number one, what's the easiest throw? But, number two, what's the one that this guy makes really well? They look at his whole history. What's the throw that he's most confident making? He makes that throw really well versus which throw and which spots on the field does he have the least success and he has the hardest time getting the ball into? We'll give him that. Well, at the college level, you know, I know you're not trying to give up the deep sideline, but the ball's in the air a long time right there. Make him make that throw. Don't give him the six-yard dump to a running back where the running back catches it. Okay, at six yards, it's third and seven. He turns around, falls down for a first down before they even get him because the coverage has dropped. Take that away. Easier said than done, but it is a, a nice, clear picture of something that you do have to stop that. <laughs> You got to quit that. <laughs> All right. Rebel Tiger Dog text the show. Country pleasing text line. He says, since y'all are off football topics, this was a while ago. Did you happen to catch the intro to Monday Night Football the other night? See, when you say intro to Monday Night Football, this is what I think of. All right. And I know that's not what you're talking about. That'd be the Monday Night theme song. You're talking about when they had the musical thing ahead of time. Like they used to have, what was it, uh, Hank Williams Jr.? Are you ready for some football? You know, and you had somebody else doing one. He says it was Chris Stapleton singing the Phil Collins song, In the Air Tonight. And he goes on to say, he said, I'll be dang if old Chris isn't better than Phil with that song. Check it out if you haven't heard him. And who the heck is this swift girl Kelsey is messing with? Go dogs. Roll off the cliff tide. That's from Rebel Tiger, Don. 
Yeah, the Swifties are taking over football. Beaver and I have been talking about that. Now they're she's gonna like they're they're saying that she Taylor Swift ought to get her nation involved in uh, eliminating the tomahawk chop, right? <laughs> no, I didn't hear it, and uh, I will look it up on you know YouTube. I look for a replay of Chris Stapleton doing the Monday Night Football thing. I you know I admitted this yesterday. I'll just go ahead and just straight up admit it. But I was doing stuff, working on some things Monday night, and I just completely and utterly forgot, okay, that Monday night football was on. <laughs> I did forget. Hey, I'll tell you what I didn't forget. You know, the other day I told you how much better my coffee was out of my thermos after I had heated it up and started boiling it on the stove to get it really hot before I poured it in here? The last few days I forgot to do that, but today I didn't forget it. So this mug right here that I hold in my hand is full of really hot coffee from High Point Roasters in New Albany. That's their logo right there, by the way. High Point Roasters in New Albany, Mississippi. Get your coffee right there. Go to highpointroasters.com. It's just, it is so much better when it is really, really hot. Like almost can't drink it that hot. Phew. It's better. Phew. Man, am I thankful for hot coffee. <laughs> All right. All right, hour one rolling along. Got news from the college football world, including here in the SEC, a future opponent for both State and Ole Miss. Yeah, they got a little news today at quarterback. I'll tell you what and who. Coming up, I'm Matt. In the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Stick around. With you, I'm Matt in the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Farm Bureau, go! With the home team. What did Jimmy say here? Jimmy said ESPN also played a portion of Dolly Parton and Chris Stapleton singing Night Moves. Jimmy, what are you talking about? On the Monday Night Football deal? So, wait a minute. You're telling me that Dolly Parton is also a part of the Monday Night Football intro? Okay, because if she is, now we're on to something. You know, it's like you mentioned Chris Stapleton. I kind of know who that is. I don't really know listen to his music, and I probably should, but I kind of know who that is. Okay, everybody knows who Dolly Parton is, and I'm a big fan. <laughs> so if she's in on it, Jimmy, if that's what you're saying, then I'm in. I got to go check this out. That was Jimmy's comment, by the way, on the live thread. He's on YouTube watching the live stream. The Murray West Live Thread. Go to murraywest.com. Contract embroidery company here in Mississippi going back to 1996. Custom apparel, everything. Go to their website and look at some of the folks they, they do work for. It's really impressive. Uh, Ole Miss, Ole Miss Athletics, Genteel, others. Right there at murraywest.com, M-U-R-R-Y, west.com. Okay, Jimmy also commented and said they were previewing a song off of her upcoming album. Is she not amazing? I mean, Dolly, she is amazing. 
Dolly Parton is amazing. Still, still doing it. Got a new album coming out. Who's got more songs recorded out there, Elvis or Dolly? Ooh, now that's a good question. Don't have the answer to it, but I, I would love to know the answer to that one. White Denzel texts the show in the country pleasing text line. The most impressive text I've gotten all week long was yesterday when White Denzel sent us the graphic that apparently there is there, there's smoke out there. There's rumors out there that the office is reportedly getting a reboot, which uh, that's our that's been the best one we've gotten so far. He says the Monday Night Football theme song is good, but Stapleton didn't do it as good as Phil Collins. Okay. What's Phil Collins up to? They couldn't get him to do it? Or is he just too old? <laughs> That's another thing about getting old is the people that we see as big stars and current um, younger generation don't even know who they are. Does not even know who they are. Yeah, and then I'm back over to the live thread one more time, the Murray West live thread. Jason is watching the show. He's on YouTube now, and it's our boy, Jason, out in Flagstaff, Arizona, and he says, now I want some Hamburger Helper. He saw the, the classic commercial, the Hamburger Helper commercial. I want it too, Jason. Every time I see that old Hamburger Helper commercial with the little glove that talks, you know, every time I see that, I want some. Hey, I told you there's news, uh, wh- uh, and then I'm coming to the phone just as real quick. You know, both State and Ole Miss, you got Texas A&M coming up on your schedule. They lost their starting quarterback for the season. It was confirmed today. You know, rumors about it since Saturday. They had to make a quarterback change in their win over Auburn uh, from Connor Wegman, who started the game. They put in Max Johnson, the lefty, who transferred there from LSU and used to be their starter and became the backup. And now he's their starter again because Wegman got a hurt foot and now he's out for the year, whatever it is. So A&M will be moving forward with Max Johnson as their QB. And uh, let's see. who they, you know, A&M still got Alabama, Ole Miss, State. Everybody, they'll host State. I don't know where Ole Miss plays them. But, uh, yeah, that was what I was going to pass along to you. All right, now over to the phone line, the Divini Equipment phone line. Divini Equipment in Madison and in Jackson, you're – Kubota dealer, the oldest Kubota dealer in the U.S., in fact, means they've been doing it better, longer than anyone else, right here at home at Divinity. On line one, Houston. What's up, Houston? Thanks for calling. Hey, hey Matt. Uh, well, thank you uh, so much for taking my call. Sure. And uh, first and foremost, I don't want to sound like a coach, but I want to um, see if we can move Marcus Banks to corner mm. uh, to – Get a little bit more depth and speed because I I know Alabama's going to go to Isaiah Bond. Uh, they're going to put him in, in the slot, and uh, and I know that it's tough, but uh, I would much rather be better at corner than I would be at safety. I mean, regardless, we're going to get beat either way on plays sometimes. <laughs> I mean, you, you can't shut them down all the time. You just got to be able to contain it. Yeah. And uh, and that's the point I'm trying to make here is if if we can just kind of make Alabama one dimensional, uh, we've got a better shot than people think. Yeah. And uh, okay, all right. Well, and what I would say, Houston, um, 
Now, obviously, Banks, the Alabama transfer, is a former corner. You know, in state, state really kind of using him at a couple of different safety positions, depending on the call, that nickel and that sort of, you know, um, a free safety position. But, you know, it, it, you know, I know. Are you saying that because you know you've come out of this South Carolina game when DeCarlos Nicholson got burnt a couple of times in coverage? Is that why you're no, saying it? No, 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 no. That was just a great throw, uh, and, and obviously Spencer Radley did a great job. But geez, the the, uh, the referees just kind of let their let some of the uh, vessels go. It seemed then uh, then that game early, but you know. It, Holding can be called on every play, uh, but I just feel like that if our team can uh, just get a better start, uh, uh, we'd like to be man-to-man, but we've got to have better uh, edge pressure. You know? yeah. And so yeah. sometimes, you know, get Deontay Anderson in there, and maybe we need to move to a four-man front. I don't know. Yeah. I just – I just we just got to get off to a better start because um, this is one of these times where we can uh, – like Alabama, and another thing I would do is I would go more tempo. Alabama team mm. seems to struggle with more tempo um, in the past. That's when they that's when they've been beaten, and I think we're um, on the cusp of being really, really good uh, offensively. We just have to be um, more determined and, and defend our home field, and it doesn't matter if we haven't beat them since 2007. It's time to beat Alabama, and I think we can do it. Coach Arnett needs a signature win, and I think he can get it this weekend. Really good stuff, Houston. Really good call, man. It's great to hear your voice, too. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hope you're doing well. You know, there's a lot there. Um, And I'll tell you what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do, Houston. You you got a couple of thoughts there, and I'm going to jot them down. All right, so the first thing is – you mentioned hurry up, okay, and how sometimes that's been good against Alabama defenses or it's helped teams at least get going. All right, hurry up. And one thing we got to talk about is if you're going to go hurry up, if you're going to have a plan to to sort of hurry up your offense, go no huddle, and, and kind of speed them up, then you have to be good on first down. You can't run some sort of up-tempo offense if you aren't good on first down and get, get ahead of the chains and get going. So that's the first thing. The other thing you mentioned was, you know, a signature win for Arnett. Now, obviously, you know, he hadn't had a lot of time uh, to, to get it, right? So he's in his first year, uh, just has been a head coach for a few games. Now, I guess five games now, including the bowl game. Um, but it does bring up a thought that I want to cover with you. It's going to take a little more time than we have right now before the end of the hour. But thankfully, we have hour two of the show coming up. And that is this. I want you to think about this. When you don't don't just look at um, the things, the changes going on in college football with name, image, and likeness, okay, and, and attracting players that way, uh, with open transfer portal, attracting players that way. Let's go up a little higher and look from a bigger, broader view and think about the entire world of college football, okay, which also will include conference realignment, 
moving parts aligning for this seismic shift in the entire model that is coming and how that relates to television and how important television and television audiences and the television product is for that. Um, I may be confusing you. Think of it like this. The college football that we understand where colleges have a campus, they give classes, you give free education um, along with whatever else and attract a player to choose to come to school and play for you, okay, and they're on scholarship, okay, and they play and try to graduate, and I know that's changing. That model, y'all, is it's as good as dead. I don't know if you realize it or not. It's as good as dead. The old idea of they come to school here, we recruit an 85-man roster, and they come to school here as a part of what they're doing, okay? And they stick with us, and you know, and there's a little bit of transferring, and then we get some transfers. But the model is it's a college model, it's a collegiate model. It's dead with a capital D. All this stuff's going to change, and television and television product and television viewers and stuff is going to be really important, and it is fueling the conference realignment. Think about those things, and we're going to come back and talk about what a school like Mississippi State's got to do. What do they have to do going forward? Not just to survive, but if you want to thrive a little bit, what do you have to do? Stick around. We'll talk about that in hour two coming up.